Hello, listeners. Welcome to our podcast of sorts, uh, where we will talk about a specific movie we watched this week. And here, I'm accompanied by Daniela, and I am Fabio. I don't like to be called Daniela. I will go as Dani. Thank you. Accompanied by Dani and Fabio, which is me. And so, earlier this week, what did we watch, Dani? A movie called Tar. The film Tar is set in the international world of Western classical music. So it centers on Lydia Tarr, widely considered one of the greatest living composer-conductors and the very first female director of a major German orchestra. So with that description, it sounds like it's a, it's based off a real person. Tarr is not based on a true story. Okay, we'll get, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that one. <laughs> Oh, you and... confuse me. The thing is that you confuse me because you told me that this film was based on how they made the Fifth Symphony. You told me <laughs> that it was called the Fifth Symphony, and I was like, "Oh, like the song," and you're like, "Yeah, you like the song." Well, I could see where the confusion could come from, but <laughs> still, throughout the movie, did you think that it was based off a real person? Yeah. So let's delve deeper into that. Um, what was your first like impression after you finished the film? Um, when I finished the film. I don't know. I liked it. I don't know if I would see the movie again. Maybe one more time. The thing is that it's so long and it's very like not too many things happen. There's lots of long shots and it's artistic and quiet, but uh, I, they have music. So and, and I, I, I didn't like the, the ending. Okay, well, we'll we'll do like a small section just going over our overall thoughts and then we'll go into more spoiler discussion later. I do agree that it is kind of artsy in a certain way where there's a lot of uh, music jargon that's going on. They talk a lot about yeah. things that we have no idea what they're saying or exactly what they mean. You can get a gist of what the, you know, what they're talking about, but in terms of the specifics of what instrument they're using or what kind of notes they're playing, that's over our heads. I think the movie's long, but I think it warrants the runtime since um, it covers a lot. And while I really enjoy the movie, I feel like it almost juggles too many things at once at some points. I know you may think that not much is happening in the film, but there's a lot of little themes and topics and things set, little hints of different things that goes on throughout like the entire film. They don't elaborate too much on all of those things. These things mm -hmm. that they drop, it's just like, just to have it there. Yeah, so that's the thing is that I feel like there's no... For a lot of it, it's mostly for the audience's interpretation if you want to really delve that deep into it. In terms of there are certain scenes where the main character, Tar, is she's going through like a psychological experience with certain things where she's kind of imagining noises or imagining things going on around her. And that's never really answered. There's a lot of little seeds that are dropped that aren't always explored to their max. Which works the benefit of the film, personally, I think it does, but it also hinders a lot of uh, the overall themes of it. And speaking of themes, what themes did you think the film covered <laughs> from your first viewing? Um, like sexism. Okay. The like music industry, relationships. Um, they portrayed a lot of queer relationships, which I I like that they mentioned Venezuela. <laughs> They do? You know, one of the artists, one of the main, like, orchestra people. That's why, I, also, one of the reasons I thought it was based on a real thing, because they, they mentioned Dudamel, which is, like, an, a famous, famous Venezuelan orchestra player. They also talked about, like, not only sexism, but also, like, ageism. 
like once you reach a certain age they you're like discarded okay where'd you get that from can we do the spoilers uh yeah might as well so spoiler warning i guess i think his name i think his name was sebastian right <laughs> ah yeah sebastian. Uh, she like basically fired sebastian and hired this new girl and then it was very obvious what they were doing but they didn't even want to like they didn't want people to think that it was because of that i was a little confused from what i gathered so the orchestra she's leading essentially that's from her previous mentor so her previous mentor passed it down to her and sebastian was kind of like one of the people from his era from his like from his her mentor's uh time i guess you know mm -hmm. and so she kind of wanted to exclude him from it because of the fact that you know i guess she just wants more agency in terms of her own thing as opposed to having someone else who combats her thoughts which i think leads into one of the things that i think the film really tries to tackle is power dynamics yeah. in terms of how people take advantage of their power and in terms of how that can kind of corrupt the way you handle other things and the way you influence and impact other people so in this case for tar it's both like she's consciously and subconsciously doing this so she might not even be aware as to what extent her power is really influencing one scene that really establishes her authority amongst her peers is that scene where she talks to her student max which is a 10 minute one shot take that was amazing <laughs> That yeah. was amazing. It's a one-shot take and with a really interesting and rather nuanced discussion about cancel culture and how you should view other artists and musicians. Uh, you know, should you judge it based off what they're good at in terms of the music they make, or should you also judge it based off the individual? And can you separate the artist from the art? Okay, I feel like this, like using that scene was the best intro porque one of the main themes in this movie is the cancel culture and how different people perceive it. Because she was talking to the old dude and the old dude is like, oh no, yeah, whatever. But I feel like she kind of like started realizing, oh, look at his mentality versus my mentality versus their mentality. And then at the end of the day, the same thing happens to her. And then I feel like she was able, it was like a circle it closed the circle because they started with that with just talking and she's like oh no whatever he can do whatever he wants and then it happened to her and she's like oh shit and this speaks into not necessarily the ageism aspect that you talked about but in terms of the different generations and the different ways that things are perceived because for example um you look at her protege i forgot her name the one who ended up like bailing on her francesca francesca maybe? i think that was her name i hope we're not we're not wrong but um, you look at her from even the start of the film, Francesca kind of has a, she just doesn't like Tart. She doesn't like Lydia that much. Like, you can tell she has kind of a disgust in terms of the way she looks at her. Like, she, you don't think so? Do you disagree? I don't know. I didn't notice it at the beginning. I noticed it like towards the, like once you start seeing more of their engagement. But maybe, yeah. I noticed it from the start. Literally right after that interview section, opening of the movie, where we kind of get to know all the everything about her essentially she's talking to i guess a fan and then you see francesca kind of look at her mad kind of look at her in a way that's i don't know if a distrust but something she looks at her in a negative light at least that's how i interpret it the way she, her eyes gaze at her you know it's her mentor so you know mm -hmm. she's gonna want to do everything she can to, to get to that position of power and she knows that she's talented so she'll suck it up she'll deal with the negative aspects of tar so you see that 
And then you see Tar has the same mentality towards her own mentor, which I forgot his name too. So that's fun. And then they mentioned cancel culture in their conversation as well in terms of Mm -hmm. his time period. And he even talks about his previous mentor and how they're the way the things that got them in trouble back then differed from what got him in trouble during his time period. So, for example, the, his mentor, I, I believe, you know, his cancel culture, quote unquote, was getting persecuted by the Germans and getting persecuted or running away from the Nazis and their persecution, while his cancel culture was, again, not sexually assaulting women. And he was kind of, yeah, he, he was kind yeah. of conflating both. And then Lydia looks at her, looks at him like, are you really going to compare what you're doing to the Nazis? And then you see, again, is this generational change in mindset that makes us view each generation differently more in a negative light as our morals and ethics and the definition of both develop so what do you think of that see i think that it was kind of hypocritical of her super because entonces i have it written down here that they were talking about this guy that pushed someone down the stairs right a composer that he pushed the woman down the stairs and then the the mentor he says, oh, but that doesn't have anything to do with his music, which is the same thing that she told Max. Like, it's the same exactly. thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she she asked him, like, oh, well, that, I don't think that was, like, that wasn't good. And he's like, so she did, she did the same thing that this guy is doing. And I feel like she might have, for, like, one second, she might have, like, realized, but I feel like she thought about it, but she pushed it out. She pushed it away. She's like, oh, I'm not going to focus on that, actually. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I, I could imagine if, upon rewatching, I feel like she might have clicked two and two together when she made that. Yeah, I don't know happen. her eyes, her eyes, something mm-hmm. in her brain clicked. Yeah, and this is such a great performance that I could imagine that being part of this, the direction that they gave her because Kate Blanchett is just 100% believable as this character. I can imagine that that is something that she did realize and that she was sort of understanding that, but she obviously doesn't want to admit it. She's a very nuanced character, and she doesn't want to admit when she's a little bit on the wrong side of things. Yeah, and it was, like, building up. I feel like the that conversation itself, like, in terms of how the movie portrayed it, it, like, they started with just a little bit, and then, like, building up, building up, building up. You're saying the Max conversation or the mentor? Both. Mm-hmm. So, the, so, like, why they even put that? And one thing I love about that that 10 minute sequence going back to that one is that if you look at the cinematography and the camera angle that they used, you see how she is huge in the forefront of the camera and you see Max just shaking his leg in the background. Mm-hmm. He looks so tiny compared to her. And then you see she moves as the camera still pans to her. She moves to the orchestra people sitting on the table and then she looks like she's one of them. She kind of blends in with them. But then once she goes over to Max, she puts her leg over him while he's sitting down. And you see her just once again, towering completely over him, showing what she believes her position of power is in this scenario, her superiority. She's essentially in her element throughout that entire sequence. And it's because she knows she they're students and she is the, you know, tar. She's the biggest, most renowned composer that you can think of. And so the way they portray that without saying it explicitly was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I think is also very interesting is the fact that Lydia sees herself like she belongs in this echelon of influence. And, you know, she, she belongs in this area of power. And one thing that I think 
really portrays it. I'm not sure if I'm just digging too deep into it, but when she's doing that opening interview with the journalist, you see how she mirrors his movements, essentially. Everything mm. on either end of them is almost duplicated. Her posture is, you know, her legs are folded just like he his are. Even up to their cups, their cups are the same. Look, the the water is the same height as each other. Everything is mirrored, so it kind of shows that she believes that you know she belongs here. Um, and speaking of mirrors, that's a huge theme. I'm not sure if you caught it. There's a huge theme throughout the entire film. There's so many mirrors and reflections. In particular, three uh, three reflections. So there's her, and then a, and then one mirror, one reflection, and then another reflection somewhere else. And I think that shows different sides of her mentality in terms of who she really is to herself and who she is, you know, who she, only she knows who she is, but that's her. And then the reflection is the mirage that she gives. Because as they find out by the end of the film that when she goes back home, her real name is actually Linda. And she oh, yeah. wasn't someone that was raised in Germany and raised in Europe that came from wealth. No, you know, from you could assume that's her brother, but, you know, she's someone who came from, essentially the bottom you can tell by the places she came in she wasn't rich she didn't come from that wealth she earned her way to that wealth or you would assume she did and so you see that past life that past life that's never really explained or explored that's probably yeah. one of the mirrors in terms of the one that she wants to escape she wants to pretend that doesn't exist because she's a different person she she essentially it's a mentality of fake it till you make it essentially you know, she even changed her name so she can fit this persona. And then there's the third reflection, which is Tar, Lydia Tar, the one and only, you know, the one of the greatest composers of whatever time period this is. So I think when you if you ever rewatch the film, you look at the amount of different reflections and it, it I would assume it symbolizes that. Uh, one thing, for example, you know, in the opening, they have a voiceover that compares her to she's in. Uh, only like five people have had have got this award essentially and they name four of them and when it gets to the fifth one it's like a contra i forgot the the actor but it was a controversial actor and when they mention the actor you see her look up and then the three mirrors the three reflections to look up with her so yeah. and again that type of i forgot what actor it was it was a famous actor who got quote-unquote canceled as well it kind of foreshadows what's to come and what did you think of what she did to krista the former student who ended up killing herself i didn't really on like um so she was basically bullying her she didn't want to like krista was trying to contact her and she just didn't want to contact her back or what the way i interpreted it was if you saw the allegations that tar had was that she would form relationships with her students or with people that want to move and she'll promote them accordingly and so from what i'm assuming is that krista they had a relationship together or some form of relationship but then krista didn't want to continue it for whatever reason maybe she backed off maybe she stopped and then tar being someone who doesn't like it when they say no lashed out and ruined her career essentially as a result mm -hmm. so she sent all these emails to virtually everyone that she could possibly apply to and saying her don't give her this role she's not fit for it she's not mentally ready for it and it's kind of i think her mentality again from her world is do whatever you can to get there. Do everything you can. If you have to suck up, if you have to do, you know, heinous things, just 
do it because your end goal is just to reach that level. And so when someone isn't able to make these sacrifices like she has, she's like, you're not ready. And so, and also she obviously is power. She doesn't like it when someone doesn't do as she wants because she, because of her status, she believes that she's entitled to this. So that's how I interpreted it as her just lashing out on Krista and pretty much ruining her life. That's kind of how I saw it. Did you see it any any differently or did you just not really like fully follow that story? Oh, no, I did not follow that. <laughs> I did not think that they were had a relationship. I just thought that maybe they fought or something or she just didn't want to talk to her anymore because Francesca had some emails. Francesca was still emailing Crystal, basically. It looked like or Crystal she saved the emails instead of deleting them, which yeah. is like basically proof against the, the case like lawyer case to happen yeah something so, that they could have used in her like against her yeah uh tar told her to delete it delete the emails because krista i don't know if francesca ever responded to her emails because francesca because francesca always asked tar asked lydia if oh um she's messaging us again she's messaging you again and then lydia's always like just ignore it ignore it, ignore it. so maybe francesca didn't respond at least from what I saw, like when they showed her emails, I don't think she did. And then when news broke out, essentially when the crux of the story is when Krista kills herself and the news breaks out. And then Lyd- like as soon as Lydia learns about that, the story, the whole story kind of starts shifting into a into a spiral. What ended up costing Francesca's costing her promotion was her not doing as Tar said and delete the emails. And again, I think towards the end, as she was spiraling, um, Tar, she she needed to assert her authority. So what she ended up doing was messing up the orchestra. So, But someone was up next to do it in the orchestra group. And she was like, nope, we're going to have a vote. And then no one went up to vote except for two people. And then she chose the one person. And she said it was going to be in-house. But as soon as someone else that came in that wasn't, she chose her just because she just needed that power. Yeah. Um, and, and she Loki had a crush on the girl. Like She did. She did. Uh, that's how I viewed it. Before we end it, I know that one aspect we can cover was parts that I thought weren't too fleshed out, which is some scenes where you can tell, you know, did you notice there was like a ghost throughout the entire film? A ghost? Kinda. Uh, for example. Maybe explain. Uh, there was one specific scene where, you remember Megan, right? The film Megan? Yeah. So when she gets out of bed, you see just someone sitting there in the corner and you see her no way. Like fully what, a red haired girl. In what minute? In what I, minute? I wish I, I don't know what minute it was, but it was, it was, <laughs> I'm mean, creeped out. Because whenever yeah. she wakes up in the middle of the night, you see these different, like you hear the auditory. Oh, yeah, pictures. yeah. The screaming and shit. That yeah. was a, that was a ghost. Well, it wasn't a ghost. It was more of her brain just kind of messing with her. Uh, but you do see like, a, you see like the red haired girl. For example, if you rewatch the film at the opening scene, when uh, she's doing that interview, you're getting the back of a red-haired girl. When she's walking down certain places and in, in certain scenes, you see another red-haired woman. And that's who I'm going to assume is Krista. Krista haunting her in this scenario, you know? I mean, she's uh, alive in that time. Well, maybe she, maybe they got the news later. I don't know. I, don't, like, I have to rewatch it to see how that time frame happened. But I don't know if it was actually Krista haunting her, but it was essentially, that's what it meant. It signified... And even and it's confirmed that it's Crystal because in another in, in yeah, the only she did have red head. Yeah, and in, in the only like full psychological scene where she you see her kind of making out with somebody 
that's a red haired woman, and that's uh, yeah, I would assume Krista. And Maybe so if you're, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. Like there's a that's why I what I love about the film is that there's so much to it that it makes rewatching it at least for me like richer because you can get so many other things from it, especially now with the context of everything. Speaking of context, what did you think of the ending or the last like court, the last act of the film essentially? Oh my god, I got I was so confused for a second because I was like, wait, wait, so. She meets with these, like, everything happens, right? It goes to shit. She meets with this, like, new team, and they're like, we need to start over. And all of a sudden, she appears in the house of some, like, Asian people in another country. And then she starts, like, working there and shit. But at first, I was like, what is going on? Like, so you're telling me that after all of this, she loses her family, she loses the wife, the kid, her career, everything. Um, She goes back to her family house, basically like gives up and then she's just like starting over again in a new country like if nothing happened but did you get the very end it's where she's uh doing the orchestra and you re- you think it's super serious but it's just for a, a oh, comic-con yeah. convention is it cosplaying they were um i thought I, that was that got me confused too because i was like i don't get it she's here playing and then they put like three like a minute of these people like dressed in costumes mm-hmm. watching her it, it's it also it's also a commentary on the reality of cancel culture where you're never really canceled like you're still gonna find work and it's also really funny how serious she looks like she takes this job and just to realize it's just for a comic-con convention yeah one more theme that i think the movie wants to cover it is in terms of ego which as you can tell she has a huge inflated ego throughout the entire film but have you noticed that the film opens up really uniquely that it opens up kind with the end credits that's the opening of the film it opens up with the end credits. Yeah. The, the the opening of the film, it literally feels like the end credits of the film. You see the people who made the film are on it. It is also an expression of the loosening of that ego. This film itself is really meta. This film itself is a culmination of a lot of different moving pieces. And so the film even expresses that by showing everyone who worked on the film first. You know, let's put them on the forefront. You know, even though this film is about Tar the main protagonist, let's put the people who created this film on the forefront to kind of continue to really drive home that theme of, you know, it's about humbling yourself. That's what Lydia learns by the end of the film is that she committed so much stuff and she kind of does have a conscious, you know, you see those, those weird text message POVs where they're talking shit about her. Yeah. Which I I, I wish I could explore that. I don't know. I don't know what that means necessarily, but they do mention that about her being conscious and maybe she, because they, they don't look at her good. They look at her kind of like almost, not like a person, not someone who cares, but you can tell that she does care about her actions. She knows that she messed up and not necessarily you can forgive what she did, but she's willing to kind of let go and strip herself of all that acclaim and all that ego and start from the bottom again. And it's because she loves the music. She loves the art. She loves what she does so much that she's willing to do that. And I think that's an interesting aspect of it. And again, it's very nuanced discussion on the reality of quote unquote cancel culture and the artist behind it as they can be rather heinous people that they could commit acts that are really bad but can they learn from it can they grow from it and do they deserve to do it is another discussion and again Lydia Tarr is going to be in a discussion of exceptional artists but should you really listen to the music based off what they did you know that's ultimately up to the person but it explores it and I think that's really impressive and with that I think we'll we'll end this discussion that would be it. And um, 
yeah it's our first episode of whatever this is going to be called in the future so yeah thanks for listening thank you so much